Welcome back to the Salty Community Podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you grow your personal relationship with both God and Jesus. We do this by emphasizing a foundation of scripture and give you tools and opportunities to experience them in a personal and unique way for you. The kingdom of God invites us into an interactive relationship with him. This podcast series explores all that it means to seek first his kingdom. We will be learning together how to develop a kingdom perspective and how to live it out right now. Join us for this 12-week series and watch the kingdom inside of you grow as you experience heaven on earth. Okay, so let's get busy. Um, I want to review first. I want to thank Colleen so, so much for teaching for me last week. Um, And I love where God took her. So we're talking about the how of the kingdom. How do we do life in the kingdom? How do we do it? So she looked at Jesus's life and we know that Jesus did life in the kingdom. And so she picked some pivotal spaces and times in Jesus's life and how did the Holy Spirit show up in those places. What was the Holy Spirit doing in Jesus's life there? What did he have Jesus doing and what was he doing? So that, I would never thought of it. So that's why Colleen was supposed to teach. God gave it to her. Um, So we are going to, I'm going to hang on to a little bit of that of hers in tonight's lesson. But when I taught two weeks ago, um, I talked about how there, that our relationship with God is not passive. Um, When we talked about verbs, we talked about action verbs and being verbs. A being verb is like, I am Deanna. Troy is my husband. So those are just, that's just what it is. It's not, you don't have to do anything. That's just who we are, right? Um, So, but an action verb would be I obey God. I serve God. I study my Bible. Like these, all these words that require action. And so what we discovered is the Holy Spirit gives, when we accept Christ, we get a new identity. That is a being verb. We are a new creation. Um, We're alive in Christ. We are, all these things are, are actually who we are and they are being verbs, right? We don't... We didn't do anything to get that identity other than to receive Christ, right? And Christ did the action. He died for us. He was resurrected. So he did the action, but we become someone new. That is our being. Now, an action are the things that we do as citizens of the kingdom. And we talked about so many that we guard our hearts and we, we live in the Spirit. We keep in step with the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. Like all these actions that we had to do. And I left three of them that we didn't discuss in great detail. And they are the ones that we're going to discuss tonight. And the funny thing about it is, is as I got ready to teach two weeks ago on these action verbs, when I was, you know, going back over my notes, God was just like, not this. And I was like, huh. So I didn't know that he had a plan for them all together. So we're going to talk about the action verbs. Hang on two seconds. Okay. (laughs) So we are called to have an active relationship 
with the spirit in the kingdom of God, okay? We are not passive participants. We don't get to sit on the sidelines and watch life happen. We participate in this life. Um, so the three action verbs we're going to look at tonight are serve, transform, and worship. Now, the first thing I want you to notice before we jump very far into these are these Greek words that are in blue. If you didn't, if you didn't type yours out, you can in color. You can still probably tell that they are Greek because they do not look like English. But they all end in an omega, or what you see looks like a W, right? It makes that long O sound. It is a verb attached to the person. Okay, so like I serve, I trans, do you see what I'm saying? It's a, it's an action that you, it's not done to you. It's something that you do. Okay, so that first word, oh my goodness, guys, it is all over the New Testament. Um, and not just in its original translation, but in like, um, just like our words, so like speak and spoke and things like that, how they kind of change a little bit. Same thing happens in Greek. So it may not be the exact same word. It may have a letter change or two, but it's the same root word. And so this to serve or obey or submit. Um, I even want you to see it as a almost, so if, so these are verbs, right? So if it was in a noun form, it could be servant or slave. Okay, but in its verb form, it's to serve, obey, or submit, which is exactly what a servant or slave does. Um, there is a tie, there is a connection between the person serving and the person they serve, right? There is a, there is a, um, there's a bond, okay? So, to serve or obey or submit, this is one of those things that we are to do in the spirit. But before we get too far, how did Jesus know? So here's the thing. Let's say you have a servant heart. Let's say you're calling. And serving is just what you do. My mom had a servant heart. It's just what she did. So do they just get kind of a jump start on this? Like, oh, wow, they already have this. This is part of their personality. Like if your love language is acts of service, this is probably easy for you. You're like, I'm set, I'm good, I do this, I serve all the time. Well, hang on, not exactly. We have to, we don't get to just serve willy-nilly and say, okay, I'm serving God. That's not how it works. We have to serve God the way he asks us to serve him. How, so we're going to start at the beginning. And the reason we're going to start this way is thank you, Colleen, and how she did class the other night. But how did Jesus know how and when to serve? Well, it comes from John chapter 5, verse 19. Um, and it says, and I'm going to flip to it. It says, Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. He was able to look in the spirit realm and say, what is God doing in this space, in this time, possibly for this person or in this circumstance, okay? Jesus did not go around, I need you to hear this, healing and speaking and teaching and casting out demons all 
on his own initiative. He did, he only did what he saw the father doing. This comes from John's gospel, who was one of his inner, those inside three guys. John knew what he was talking about. We cannot, in the same way, just go around doing what we want to do and call it serving God. Okay, we just, it doesn't work that way. We are going to look at Romans seven chapter Romans chapter seven verse six because this was kind of huge to me when I saw it. Um, in this from this perspective. Move my Bible over so we can see it. But now we are released from the law. Okay, guys, that's the Old Testament law, but that's important. Having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not the old way of the written code. Okay. We serve in a new way of the spirit. Not in the old way. Okay, what could this look like? Well, that's just what I remember telling God one time. Well, that's just what I do. Um, no, He calls us to serve according to the Spirit, which means we are Spirit led. The Spirit leads us into the service, the Spirit equips us, and the Spirit tells us how to do it and then gives us the strength to get it done. If you've ever found yourself burnt out, fed up, done, possibly you are doing something that you weren't asked to do. You might have been asked by some person, but if the spirit hasn't led you into it, then it wasn't for you to do. The Pharisees came to Jesus on more than one occasion and said, hey, give us a sign and we'll believe you. Give us a sign. Show us something. That would be like someone telling you, hey, you know, since you're a Christian, why don't you, whatever. Hey, we need you to teach this Bible class. Hey, we need you to clean up this mess. Hey, we need you to do this. Hey, we need you to take food to this girl who lost her thumb. Whatever it is, we should not be manipulated, coerced, bullied, pressured anything into service. We are only led into service by the Spirit. Okay, it's not a religious thing. It is a relationship thing. Our relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit moves us into places he wants us to serve. And when we find ourselves doing something that he was not his idea and he didn't lead us to, we will find ourselves unequipped and typically frustrated and fed up. Guys, this can be something as small as cleaning a bathroom in frustration because your kid didn't do it to something as big as teaching a Bible class or stepping on a stage and do giving and singing a song. Like it can be all over the place. We, for our service to have eternal value and to be completely spirit, um, just for the spirit to be completely covering it and for it to bear fruit, the spirit has to be in it. John chapter 5, another favorite, or John chapter 15, a favorite of mine, is we can do nothing on our own. Nothing. Uh, I think it's 15 verses 1 through 6 are my favorite places if you're, if you're writing down. John 15, 1 through 6, because I know it's not on your listening guide. Our service 
is just doing, it's just twiddling our thumbs in the spirit realm if it is not led by the spirit. If it is not led by the spirit. So, all right. I hope I made that point super clear. Let's jump down now to Matthew chapter 6, 24 and Romans 12, 11. And since I'm already in Romans, I'm just going to flip over to that verse first. Um, oh my, this page is very colorful. Okay. So he says, do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. So this is Paul telling us to serve the Lord. And then in Matthew chapter 6, verses 24... And we're going to be over here quite a bit tonight. And um, this, Matthew chapter 6, yeah, um, verse 24, no one, oh, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus right here is making a point that we are to serve God. And you cannot have two masters. Remember I told you there was a bond between the person serving and the person they serve. You can't have two of those. Okay, because if you are, you're going to start feeling like you're being pulled into. Have you ever felt that way? Like you're being pulled into, like all these people want me, I'm just being yanked around. That's why. Okay, mamas, this so happens to you when you've got littles and you've got a husband and maybe you have a job and you have life and you were trying to do a Bible study, you can start feeling like you're being jerked around on by so many chains. No. When you serve God, you will best serve your husband. You will best serve your children. You will best serve your house through your service to him. When you, when everything, and that's one of our next one, Ephesians 6, 7, okay, I've dropped down just a little bit. When everything we do we do it as if we're serving God, then he becomes our one master and everything comes from that space and you will stop feeling so jerked around. Because um, we are told in Galatians to serve one another. Like that is absolutely something that we're told to do, but it has to come from our relationship with God, not from our relationship with the person we're serving there's probably a really good chance that God may ask you to serve somebody that you don't want to serve. Because that's probably the best thing for you and for them. Now, he will for sure give you opportunity to serve your family and friends and things like that. But again, when we serve out of our relationship with God, instead of out of our relationship with the person, we are less likely to get annoyed with the person because it wasn't about them in the first place. It was about us and God and what he has asked us to do. And I am so speaking to myself right in this very moment. So when we let God direct our service, it not only benefits us, but the person we're serving. Okay, because otherwise resentment can build up and all kind of other yucky things. Okay, now this is where my lesson tonight went off the rails and became a mess. So just here we go. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is a scripture that I talk about all the time. One and two for that matter. And we're going to get to Romans chapter two, or Romans 12, 2 in the very next section. But this was supposed to be for section 3 on worship. 
But that's what happens when you really enjoy Greek and you look at all the original words and you realize that our translations are not so well translated. So let's read Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Which is your spiritual worship? Guys, that, ver that, that word right there in the Greek is this word right here, serve. So it's really should be, it should really say your spiritual service, not worship. We're going to see why these words are so closely tied together because often when you see worship, it could be service. And when you see service, it could be this, this right here. There's a reason they're tied together. But let's look at this verse really fast. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, your spiritual act of worship or your spiritual act of service. Okay, he's said, okay, Paul was raised as a Jew, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he knew all about sacrifices. And there was a sacrifice for this and this and this, all these sacrifices, all these dead animals, okay? And he's saying, no, present your bodies as living sacrifices, so living a life of sacrifice, and that is your spiritual act of service. There is a level of sacrifice, we know this, that comes with serving. Um, when we get to the bottom, I'm going to show you how this all ties into ties together, but I want you to keep this verse in your mind and how the translations, what um, we did, what not we, what they did. Um, okay, so service, just really wrap it up and put a bow on it, is we serve God from our place of relationship with him through the power of his spirit, okay? Everything we do is from our place of relationship with him through the power of the spirit. The things that we want to should be warning, warning, is when our relationship with a person begins to manipulate, pressure, push, whatever, cajole, whatever method is used to get us to serve. It's not how it works. Now, you may be asked to serve, and it's at that point that you say, you need to know if that's, where, if that's something that God is asking you to do, or if that's something man, and that's going to require a relationship. It may require some time by yourself praying, maybe some time in the throne room, some time in the spirit saying, hey, what am I supposed to do? But again, just because you're asked by a person doesn't mean you're being asked by God. That comes out of relationship with him. We have to let him direct our service. Um, otherwise, we're serving man, not him. Or some of the time we're serving ourselves, not him. Okay, so our next word that we're going to look at is transform. So I want you to look at that word, word in Greek, and I know you don't probably know, but that first letter is an M, and it's also, so you have metamor, the P actually is an R, that next letter is an F, so metamorpho. So it sounds like metamorphosis, that's where we get our word from, metamorpho. Um, to change into another form. What, okay, I'm just going to go with, the, the first thought was a butterfly. 
They metamorphose, right? They go from a caterpillar to something beautiful. Um, so to change into another form. Now, is the personality of the caterpillar the same as in the butterfly? Yes, it is. I've never spent a whole lot of time with caterpillar. I have no idea what kind of personalities these little things have. Not a clue. But I can tell you that they are the same. When we are transformed by God, who we are personality-wise is not going to change. Who we are spiritually is very much going to change, okay? Probably, unlike the butterfly and the caterpillar, our physical bodies are not going to get just a whole lot of transforming. I have not noticed any wrinkles going away. I have not noticed any gray hair leaving. In fact, if anything, there's maybe more coming. I'm not sure. The transformation that is happening for us is a spiritual transformation. Okay, so do you see that word right there at the end? So it's like metamorpho, to change into another form or transfigure. Colleen talked about this last week, and I hope you're already having light bulb moments because Jesus, Matthew 17, was transformed. He was transfigured. The Mount of Transfiguration we talk about. And love, love, love this story. I love listening to Colleen teach it from a place of not being as familiar with it when it's one of those places for me that's just huge. Um, and here's why. Jesus goes up on the mountain. He takes the three with him. And he says to them, don't tell any, after it was all done, don't tell anybody until I raise from the dead. Okay, in that moment, they had to have gone raised from the dead. Wait, what, what? You know, like, because at this point, they hadn't even established that he was going to die. They weren't there yet. So anyway, he told them not to tell anybody. But there was a reason. Okay, so Jesus goes up on the mountain and he is transfigured before them. And not only is he transfigured before them, but Moses and Elijah are standing there with him. He did not introduce them to Moses and Elijah. They just knew who they were. That is important. What I am, what I am going to present to you is that Jesus allowed them to see him and Moses and Elijah in the spirit. Because that is the only way Moses and Elijah were alive, was in the spirit. Their physical bodies had been buried. In fact, Moses' body was buried by God. Nobody knows where it's at. They had not been resurrected. They saw them in the spirit. I'm going to let that sink into you for just a second. They saw in the spirit. They saw Jesus in the spirit. They were seeing into the spirit realm. That's who they saw, Moses and Elijah, and they saw who Jesus, what Jesus looked like in the spirit realm, okay? Why in the world? Okay, guys, there wasn't a whole lot that happened in Matthew chapter 17. It wasn't like they went up on this mountain, Peter, James, and John, he led them to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured. Okay, that's verse 2. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. If you spend some time at the beginning of Revelation and even through Revelation, you will see that's not a very uncommon appearance. And behold, there was Moses and Elijah talking with him. So it wasn't just that they saw Moses and Elijah. 
Jesus, because he was in the spirit realm with them, was able to talk to them. And Peter was like, Jesus, oh my goodness, it's so good that we're here. Let's build some tents. Okay, seriously, Peter, like really? And, and one of the, tra one of the, um, there, it's so good for us to be here. I want to say it was Mark's gospel. It says that he didn't even know what he was talking about. Um, so while Peter is just babbling on, um, God speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. In other words, shush. And as soon as that happened, then they went away. Okay, guys, what was the purpose of this little thing? I mean, it, it takes up all of, I don't know, four verses. What was the purpose of the Mount of Transfiguration? Why, why did Jesus take them up a mountain, show them himself in the spirit and Moses and Elijah in the spirit and talk to Moses and Elijah in front of them in the spirit realm? What was the purpose? If not to show them what was available to them once the spirit was inside them. That's there would have been no purpose for all of this. Because everything Jesus did, he said we would be able to do that and more. That's good. This miracle, if, you, if that's what you want to call it, Jesus showed them that the spirit realm was available to them as well as people in the spirit were available to them. That would be the only purpose for all of this. Surely the whole purpose wasn't just to show us that Peter tends to talk when it would be better to not talk. Like, I don't think that was the purpose. Jesus took them up there for a purpose. And then he told them, don't tell anyone until after I'm raised. He knew they would need to tell this story. They are going to need to share what was available. They were going to need to share it at the right time. Okay, so... 2 Corinthians 3.18 is our only other, okay, so there's only three, well, really four. There's only three incidents in scripture where this word is even used. And one is the Mount of Transfiguration. One is, this, is Romans 12.2, um, where it says, um, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. So he tells us to be transformed, how? By the renewing of your minds. We'll get to that later, maybe, maybe not. So I want us to go to 2 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 18, because this is the other place that that transformed word is used. And guys, it's just huge. It's just so huge. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Okay, we're going to start in verse 17 because we have to. Now, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I just love that verse so much. And we are all. Okay, I need you to just. If I was Beth and you were, I would say, I need you to all say that. And we are all, not just a few of us, not just some of us. We are all with unveiled faces. And I'm going to explain that in a second. Beholding the glory of the Lord. Y'all need to just. Wow. Beholding the glory of the Lord. And then what happens? Are being transformed into the same image, same image of what? As the glory of the Lord, the same image from one degree of glory 
to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Guys, we should stop class right now. Like, mm -hmm. that is everything. That is everything. We are beholding the glory of the Lord. Where? Okay, guys, we talked about this a few weeks ago. There are so many places that we need to be seeing God. You need to be, we need to be seeing God in our daily lives as we just live our lives. Oh my goodness, God made that happen. Oh my goodness, God showed up here. You need to be seeing God in scripture. You need to be seeing God in his throne room. You need to be seeing God as you practice his presence with you. You need to be seeing God as you are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. You need to be seeing God as his spirit is alive and well in you and working and active. Okay. Okay. By, okay. So what's this with unveiled faces? Like what was the purpose of that? Okay. Here's the purpose of that. So Moses, way back in Exodus, right? Um, he would go into the tent of a meeting or he would go up the mountain to see God, depending on where we're at. But mostly he would go into the tent of meeting and when he came out of spending time with God, his face was shining, okay? He was glowing with the glory of the Lord on him. When we spend time with God, we do not stay the same. He changes us. We don't even have to hardly participate. Just time in does an incredible work, okay? But he's saying, and so when Moses would come out, because his face is all shiny, he would put a veil over it so as to not disturb the people. Paul is going, we don't need a stupid veil. We don't need the veil. We want people to see Jesus in us. That attraction should draw people to us, which draws people to Jesus. We're not putting a veil over what he's doing. But as we spend time with him, I'm just going to read it again because we have to. And we all, 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 all. This was not just for Paul. He's talking to the church at Corinth. Guys, he's talking to the church at Corinth. I need to tell you a little bit about this church. This is the church that was fighting. This is the church where one man was sleeping with his mother-in-law. This is the church that at communion, some of them were getting drunks and then other people didn't have anything to drink. No fruit of the vine for them. This is Corinth. And he's still saying, and we all, he's including them. It doesn't matter how messed up you start if you just start. Just start. Because time in God's presence is never wasted. And not only is it never wasted, it comes with all this good stuff. Beholding, we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord. Guys, that is just being in the presence. Beholding, seeing, and being in the presence of the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Transformed into what? The same image same image as what? As God. Because it tells us right after that, from one degree of glory to another. Well, how is all this happening? For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Guys, time with God transforms us. I've always said the only way to be transformed is a renewing of your mind. One of the best ways to, re to be transformed, according to this verse, is beholding the glory of the Lord. 
spending time with God. Guys, nothing's going to change your mind so fast as time with God. Talk about a perspective, perspective change. Time with God, seeing things with his eyes, hearing things with his ears, loving people with his love, serving with his strength. All the things. Okay. Next. Okay. Worship. Now this, okay, remember I told you our lesson went sideways with serving Romans chapter 12, verse one, because I thought that was gonna be my worship verse and it couldn't be my worship verse. I was like, well, now where do I go? So I had to start thinking, worship, worship. Where does it talk about worship in the New Testament? Jesus, because we are starting with Jesus. Well, there's two places I wanna hit on tonight. Jesus is tempted. Let's start there. It's in Matthew chapter four, Jesus is being tempted. The very last, well, it depends on which strength, I mean, which, section you look at or which gospel but Matthew chapter 4 it's the last one um the last temptation Matthew chapter 4 um Satan has asked him to worship him that's that word by the way he's asking him to worship him the word oh that's a very big word okay so proskunu proskunu see told you it was a big word that pi at the front is a p and then an r that Oh, that's got a little tail as an S. And the uh, thing that looks like a V is actually an N. So anyway, but that's your worship. To pay homage. Okay, but here, this is important. Look at the definition of worship. To pay homage to, to prostrate, to kiss the hand. Um, anyway, I'm not going to sit on that for a second. It's a profound reverence, express respect, um, to fall on the knees, like a dog licks the master's hand. We're going to get to all of that in a minute. Um, so this word worship right here, I also have it in letter C from the Old Testament because I wanted you to be able to see it from there as well in Hebrew. Worship. Paying homage to prostrate. Get on your face. Those kind of things. Satan asked Jesus to worship him. Okay, but I want you to hear Jesus's response. And he quotes from the Old Testament, which is why you have that from the Old Testament down there. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Guys, those are both of our words. That serve is the serve from up here from our Roman numeral two and the worship is our Roman numeral four. So he's basically saying, you only worship God and only serve him. The end. Those two words are incredibly tied together. I'm hopefully going to be able to show you that. Okay, so then the next place that um, worship is talked about by Jesus is John, John chapter four. This is the woman at the well. If you have watched The Chosen, it is episode eight. If you have not watched The Chosen, oh my stars. Miss Debbie, if you are on right now, the next time I'm over, we are watching at least an episode or two. Okay, so I know we have to close on them, but anyway, but it's important. John, uh, John chapter four is the woman at the well, the, the Samaritan woman, and this is that last episode um, of season one of Chosen. So Jesus is with her, and they have. she wants to get into an argument with uh, Jesus about worship. Where do we worship? She's saying, she's from Samaria, right? So she is not a Jew. Um, she is like 
part Jew, which makes her a mutt, and they definitely considered them dogs, okay? I'm not, like, being ugly. That is what the Jews considered them back then, probably even still today, to be honest with you. And so, she wants to have a, so Jesus is like, she's like, oh, I see you're a prophet. And so then she decides to start a debate about where to worship. And Jesus tells her that pretty soon a time is coming where the place isn't going, this is Deanna's translation, the place isn't going to matter. God is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. What was that first word? Spirit. Our worship even comes from our relationship through the spirit, okay? Even our worship. So I've just told you our service comes from the spirit, from our place of relationship. We're transformed by the power of this spirit. Um, and now worship should be an extension of our relationship with God. Because God is looking for people who worship in spirit and in truth. He is not looking at the name on a building. He's not looking at how many bodies are in pews. And he is not looking for just lip action. He doesn't matter if you've never missed a service. If your heart, if it isn't led by the Spirit, if it is not done in truth, it is wasted time. He is looking for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. He is not looking for a concert in his honor. He is looking for people who because they love him and because they know him through experience, choose to pay homage to him. They choose to fall at his feet. They choose worship. It is not a to-do list. It is not a place to go. It is a condition of our heart because of our relationship with God. That's what worship is. Okay, now what is really interesting to me is all the way through um, Paul's letters, all through Paul's letters, um, he doesn't really talk about worship at all. When, he's, when it's translated worship in Paul's letters, it's actually that serve word. Um, so I had to spend some time with God on what is this about? Well, we're going to get to that. It's, that's where the whole, it's all tied together. But I do want you to know that in Revelation, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. People, the elders fall in worship. The angels around God are worshiping. Like worship is a very, I mean, I bet it's 20 plus times in the book of Revelation, this word worship, this word that we're talking about, this fall down, this pay homage. Worship is not a passive thing, okay? Worship is active, it's intentional, but it is mostly relational, okay? Comes from our relationship with God. Okay, so into the Old Testament, it's Yahweh, um, just so you know in Hebrew. Where Jesus quoted from what we just read um, in Matthew chapter 4 is from Deuteronomy 6.13. I'm not going to read that again, but then I want you to know that it's all over Psalms, um, but it is often translated as fear or awe. 
okay? So what I need you to kind of imagine is our relationship with God brings us such awe of him that we can't help but worship, that we can't help but worship. Okay, so just for a second, while we're here, I, I couldn't talk about worship and not talk about this a little bit. So we know that in the Old Testament, there was such a problem with the, the Hebrew people, the Jews, that they would, their neighbors would be worshiping these idols, things made of stone, carved by people, and statues set up and people would worship them, right? Bring their money to them, kiss them, do all the things. And there's three different places in scripture, one in Jeremiah, two in Psalms, one is, so I'm just going to tell you, Psalms 115 verse 8, um, and he says that those who, those who make them, these idols, and those who trust in them become like them. Whatever we worship, we will become like. Whatever gets our attention, whatever gets our homage, whatever gets our awe, we will become like. It was a warning for them. If you're going to worship these idols, look out that you don't become just as dumb and worthless as this block of wood that you're worshiping, okay? But it, the flip is also true. As we worship God, we got it in 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we behold his glory, we, by one degree at a time, are changed into his glory. You become like what you worship. Okay, so I'm going to try to show you, and this is where God is just going to have to do it, the serve and transform and worship, how they all go together. And it wasn't my idea. Um, there's a reason that serve and worship often gets translated differently because who we worship, we will serve. Who we serve is very often who we worship. Do you see? They're connected. And what we worship and serve will transform us, whatever it is. Um, let's just say, because it's all over scripture, that we worship money. Mm -hmm. We will serve money. We will do whatever it takes to get it. We will serve money. And we will become greedy, materialistic, like money. Okay? Do you see mammon? It's which is a um, so often in scripture it's called mammon, which is like the demon of. So it's not that money is evil, don't get me wrong, it does pay the bills. But what you worship is what you serve and is what you become like. As we worship God. We serve him and we become like him, okay? So I mean, you get to be God, but it does mean that he changes us more and more and more into the image of his son, which is the goal all along. These three actions are so closely intertwined that they are seldom separated from each other. Even Jesus, when he said it, said, worship God and serve him only. They go together. They go together. So let's say you're like, well, I, I struggle with the whole worship thing, like the whole getting on my face. It feels awkward. It's uncomfortable. Okay. Okay. Then how about 
You sit with God. You sit in the throne room with him and you just let him love on you. You just sit there and let him transform you. And then you let him through that relationship give you a place to serve him. He'll show you something. And guys, it may not be all the glamour that you think it will be. Probably won't be. I'm just going to be honest. Eventually, as you see him more and more clearly, worship will happen. Or maybe you're a person who's like, oh, worship is like being on my face before God, but oh, serving makes me nervous. I don't know. Then worship and let him transform you. And then you will slide into the service that he has for you from your relationship. They work together, okay? And if you're sitting there going, well, I'm not sure what I worship. I'm not who sure I serve. He will make all those things clear. He will make all those things clear. But as our relationship with him grows, our worship will grow in its depth and its power. Our service will grow in its depth and power. You will find yourself originally maybe serving in a way that doesn't, you're like, this, is, this doesn't fit. There's all over the place in scripture where God asked somebody to do something first that was so outside of their comfort zone, it didn't, it was like, what, this doesn't match. There's a reason, it's about obedience. It is about obedience, guys. So serving may at first feel odd, but as you grow, and as he is able to transform you by your relationship with him. Guys, none of these things are jobs for you to go do. They are absolutely products of your relationship with him. They are not new jobs. They are relationship um, they are the actually they're the rewards of relationship. They are the product. They are the um, fruits of relationship with him. All these things start falling into place as our relationship with him grows. When we try to do these in our own strength, when we determine that we're going to change who we are by the power of our own will, I want you to know I have followed enough motivational speakers to tell you that when it is not about God, it gets ugly. They begin to be ugly. Because when it's about your will, that is just not pretty. And mm -hmm. worship that is just sitting on a pew does nothing more than lie to the person sitting there making them think that that emotional experience that they're having is a relationship. There is no substitute for a relationship with God. An emotional excitement on a Sunday morning in a large worship service does not, is not the same as a relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying don't sit on a pew. If you have a relationship with God, then sitting on a pew can be very, very rewarding because he meets you in that space and you see him and his people and he is enthroned in the praises of his people. I mean, that's scripture. But it has to come from relationship. Otherwise, we're just fooling ourselves. And when we serve, 
any place other than from relationship with him, I want to tell you, it will eventually, probably more quickly than we like, lead to pride. Because when we serve out of our own strength, out of our servant heart, it puffs us up and look what I've done, look what I've done, look what I've done, instead of look what God is doing. Do you see the difference? Okay. The goal is time in, spending time with God so that he can do all these things in us and that all of these things are produced in us through relationship with him. All right. Hopefully that all made sense. All right. We are going to listen for God. Um, guys, this was all the notes I had this week. Like the same notes you have. That was... Oh, God. All right. I am going to pray, and then we will do... We only have four questions tonight. Um, so, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you that because of the Spirit, we have access to you, that we can spend time in your presence, and that we can know you, that we can see you, we can hear you. Father, I pray that as we come to know you better, um, that you will let us hear you clearly. And tonight, Lord, as we're seeking you specifically right here in this space, Lord, I ask that you will quiet the noises in our head, the noise around us, so that we can hear you clearly. We want to hear what you have to say. Um, so I just ask that you will silence those voices. An enemy, in the name of Jesus, you have no space here. You are bound and gagged, and you may not interfere with what God wants to do. Lord, in, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you... Reveal yourself to us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Number one. Who do you spend your time serving? Number one. Who do you spend your time serving? Number one, who do you spend your time serving? Colleen. So he showed me that, um, he basically said to me, it, it's day by day. Oh. Some days I do it well and some days I don't. So I heard me as in I'm serving him, but I'm also serving myself. And he's like, that's where the frustration comes in. Mm -hmm. If you're just serving me, and I'm like, serving my, myself, like I'm serving this family that you have given me, like cleaning bathrooms and doing laundry. And he's like, no, 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 that's serving you mm -hmm. because you want things to be a certain way. And mm -hmm. that's a little frustrating. Okay, so Karina, others, mm -hmm. Dana Wren, myself, um, Crystal, others, Lori, Cross, God, children, clients, neighbors, and family. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Lisa, work. 
Uh, Amber, myself, Meredith, the ones I place on your path. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inez, I regret hearing this dot, dot, dot. <laughs> 90% myself, 10% God. Mm, ouch. Okay. Guys, I think all of us who hurt ourselves, mm-hmm. all of us who hurt others, I don't want you to have this moment of condemnation because that's not from God. The reason he would show you is because he's giving you the power to choose to serve him. Mm-hmm. All it takes is adding some pause, and we are going to be talking about that a lot in the next two weeks. We have two more weeks left. All it takes is some pause where you go, okay, God, what are you saying right here? Mm-hmm. Like before you go clean the bathroom that you don't want to clean or before you do, okay, Karina, before you take the meal to the girl <laughs> with the hurt thumb, is that what God is saying to do? Is that something he gave you to do? And if it is, then you're serving him. But if it's not, then so often it's about serving others or serving ourselves. And remember, this is where the whole feeling jerked around comes from because we can only serve one master. And if you have a bunch of masters, I heard some of you with lots of people, you're getting yanked in a lot of different directions. Ultimately, we want to serve God. And through that, he will show us how to serve one another. Okay. Number two. One place or space God wants you to serve. So what is one place or space where God wants you to serve? One place or space God wants you to serve. This may be in addition to what you're already doing. This may be something new that you're not doing. Um, one space God wants you to serve. Calling Salty. I heard Troy. So I was like, I'm glad he's not in here. He can't. <laughs> but God said, anytime you do something for him, you're doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Family. Family. Awesome. And right now you have a very big family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, I have to be reminded this is where I'm supposed to be. Because my husband just started a ministry and it's mm-hmm. hard. I get pulled and and it's nobody's fault but my own. Mm-hmm. Nobody's fault but my own. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Okay. Um, Inez, my husband. Ah. Uh, Amber said, I see Scotty. Ah, husbands, it's a thing tonight. Uh, Karina said, spiritually, question mark, what does that mean? He wants you to serve spiritually. He wants you to serve from the spirit. He wants you to serve from the spirit. So I would say at this point, it means he'll show you as things come along. Mm-hmm. Back to that whole pause thing. Oh, Crystal got, I got one word, women. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, Lisa. Oh, I love this. I see a place like a barn with lots of green sweaters. Interesting. Hmm. Are there people in the sweaters? I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of cool, Lisa. Uh, Meredith, family, friends, and children. 
Okay? Awesome. Interesting. I don't know, Lisa. We'll have to get back to that. <laughs> All right, number three. Where does God want to meet you in worship? Where does God want to meet you in worship? Where does God want to meet you in worship? What'd you get? Oh, sorry. It's okay. Uh, on my knees. I got in the car, which is probably good because in the car lately has been not the best time for me because I'm driving down 105 to cryo and I get because the driver's on 105. -er. So maybe some praise time and some worship time would be good in the car. <laughs> Uh, Meredith, my my heart and my spirit. Mm. Uh, Lori sitting alongside him. Oh, nice. Dana, my home. Mm. Crystal, my heart. Mm. That's good. I still haven't been obedient to this. On the knees. Okay, number four. Where are you in the transforming process. Where are you in the transforming process? I have no idea what he's going to tell you. I really struggled with this one, but just let him tell you what he wants to show you or tell you. Where are you in the transforming process? Just sounds horrible. <laughs> Where are you in the transforming process? I sure hope y'all's words sound better than mine. Uh -uh. Uh. Okay. What is yours? <laughs> sanding. Like I see him like sanding. Oh my god! Oh, yikes! Like sanding away the things that need to go, like mm. like coats of paints that don't belong, and you know what I mean. Just uh, sanding it yeah. down. Oh, yikes! I was like, well, that What's explains things. You repaint everything when you hopefully <laughs> get a new coat of paint. It'll be nice, and that's the process. <laughs> Where are you in the transforming process? New coat of paint. <laughs> that will be nice. Right now, we're being sanded. So I am in. I'm like in the last temptation of the desert. Oh, okay. Of being to my faith being tested. So I'm like on the end of it. Like I well, can, that's good. And I can feel it. Okay. I can definitely She's at the end it. of the desert. That's a good thing. I'm at thing. the end of the desert. That's good. So hopefully there will be some eating and some, <laughs> some rejoicing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be nice. Okay. Uh, I know it's a new beginning. Oh, oh, nice. Do I like that? Dana, question mark. I'm assuming she can't hear. That's okay. That one's probably hard. Uh, Lisa, on my knees. Oh, interesting. Okay. Meredith, butterfly. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Amber, it's a cooking reference. Like a mixing bowl where all the ingredients come together but not baked yet. Oh, I love it. See, I told you there was no telling what he was going to do with the transforming. Oh, and Amber, I'm so glad you said that because I didn't even think about transforming being like when we cook, mm -hmm. but that is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Like when you have this raw dough and all of a sudden it becomes a beautiful yeah. cake or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, I 
That's see. awesome. I'm going to add that to my notes. Crystal, uh, my veil is partially covering my face. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, I like that. Lori, oh, this is in the batter, ingredients being added still. Oh, so she got a cooking reference as well. Ingredients being Y'all must cook. Yeah, <laughs> not me. Obviously, haven't cooked in a while. Lori said, oh my gosh, Amber, we almost had the same answer. That's awesome. Ingredients being added. I like that. And can you imagine when we try to speed things up, we would put ourselves in the oven way before all the ingredients were there. We'd have oh, the oven on the wrong gosh. temperature. Who knows what we would do wrong? We would overmix. That makes things lumpy, I heard. I don't know. I don't know. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, we have two weeks left, and then we're going to have the month of December off. We are going to meet next week. Is next week I think so. But we're going to meet next Monday. I mean, we're going to do this next Monday. Um, if you are interested in small group, um, you can go to the website, and there's a space where it says, I'm interested in joining a small group, and you can put your name and email address, and we will contact you, especially as those start to form. Um, I'm going to pray this out. Dear God, thank you so, so much for your spirit. Lord, I thank you for your word, um, but I thank you for your spirit that leads us into all truth. Lord, I pray this week that you will give us a hunger and a desire for you that can be met by nothing else. Lord, I pray that you will increase our love for you. And Lord, I pray that you will make yourself known to us. Surprise us with, just with, with you, with your presence. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.